الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى والصلاة والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم فلا تغرنكم الحياة الدنيا ولا يغرنكم بالله الغرور قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم كن في الدنيا كأنك غريب أو عابر سبيل أو كما قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم Most respected ulamai kiram, brothers and elders The Quran Sharif Numerous places Allah Ta'ala Spells out the reality of this dunya to us in various different ways. Some places the example is given of how a person plants a crop and then as that crop grows up and becomes very lush and extremely pleasing to the eye, person sees those lush crops filled, the whole field is filled with those crops. But then after a while, it starts yellowing and then the whole thing suddenly dies off. Whatever harvest was already taken from it was taken, but eventually those plants all die off and that very lush field which once upon a time was so eye-catching the little breeze that might have blown at that time, it caused that rustle in that whole field and that sounded like music to the ears of that farmer, to the owner of that crop, because now all this was a sound of this is a very, very good crop. But then one day came when everything suddenly started yellowing, withering, and then there was just all dust. مثل غيث أعجب الكفار نباته ثم يهيج فتراه مصفرا ثم يكون حطاما. So these examples of the Quran Sharif in many many places spells out this reality of dunya in this way is to show that this dunya also is one day going to perish. All this glitter and glamour of dunya, all these eye-catching things, all these things that a person puts his heart and soul into, person gives his life for, but one day, it's all going to perish. Nothing is going to be here. Neither we will be here, and neither will these things remain. That day is coming. So these examples are meant to keep the balance in the heart, that this heart is not to be given to these things. The heart is for Allah Ta'ala. The heart must be filled with the muhabbat of Allah Ta'ala. Everything else, there will be attachment with it. Allah Ta'ala has placed this attachment. That attachment with the person's possessions, with his family, with his children, with everybody that around him, his parents, whoever. But the muhabbat of Allah Ta'ala, that's what the heart is for. But this dunya, this dunya is very, very deceptive. 
it appears like this dunya will remain forever. And we get deceived sometimes to think that we might remain forever. Though nobody ever says that, and nobody ever will claim that, but the way that sometimes a person conducts his life, how we conduct our lives, it's as if to say that we feel that we will stay forever. So Allah Ta'ala reminds us about that as well. Don't allow this worldly life to deceive you. And the great deceiver, Shaitan, don't let him deceive you. Because this, Ya ayyuhan nas, inna wa'adallahi haqq. Allah Ta'ala starts off this ayat with this, that the promise of Allah is true. This is 100%. Which promise one day death is coming. So before that death comes, Prepare for it. So all these various ayat, the impact of these ayat on the heart should be to make the heart get inclined towards akhirat. And to be disinclined from dunya. Now does it, this inclination from dunya mean that a person is going to forsake the dunya? He's going to totally distance himself from the dunya entirely? No, that's not what's required. Zuhud is a very, very great requirement. Zuhud, like there are various other attributes and qualities of Iman. Like for example, Tawakkul, trust in Allah Ta'ala. This is an essential attribute of Iman, which a person must have in his life. Likewise, the khauf and the fear of Allah Ta'ala must be in his heart. There should be Raja. Hope in Allah Ta'ala. That must be in his heart also. Iman is between hope and fear. A person must not be without fear and he must not be without hope also. So likewise is this quality of zuhud, abstinence. But now what does abstinence mean? Does it mean that a person must abstain from the dunya, must have nothing to do with it? Hazrat Dawud Hazrat in their zamana, they were the greatest zahids. Nobody's zuhud could have been anywhere close to theirs. But the kingdom that Allah Ta'ala gave them, nobody else was given such a kingdom also. The kingdom that they had extended beyond the kingdom over insan. The kingdom they had, they ruled over the animals. They ruled over the birds the winds, the one throne Allah Ta'ala blessed Hazrat would, it would fly, like we talk about the flying carpet. So this wasn't just one flying carpet. Maybe somebody managed to get his musalla to fly or something. But this was his whole army and his whole entourage. Everybody would be on that one throne. And it would cover the distance of one month's journey in one morning or one evening. But despite all that, they were the greatest Zahids. And likewise, in the time of Rasulullah, obviously his Zuhud, what can we ask, speak about? But among the Sahaba, Abdul Rahman ibn Auf, Usman Ghani, these were very wealthy Sahaba. The Sahaba who were very wealthy were very few. But these were among the very few wealthy Sahaba. Very wealthy. Their wealth is something beyond we can imagine. 
Abdurrahman ibn Auf after he passed away, so he had four wives. So now the share of the wife is one-eighth. One-eighth of the entire estate, what the person leaves behind, that's the share of the wife. And if there's more than one wife, she will share in that one-eighth. If there's two wives, they'll share one-eighth. They'll get one-sixteenth each. And it's four wives, then they'll get one over thirty-two. So the one wife, her share, there was some uh, sulah made with her. So her share came to 80,000 dinars. 80,000 gold coins. That was now the one over 32. So they had a lot of wealth, but they were the greatest zahids of the time among the Sahaba. So this itself is not something that is a problem with Zuhud. Zuhud, what does Zuhud refer to then? What is this abstinence all about? Abstinence is that as these people, all this was in their hands, not in their hearts. And therefore, when the command of Allah Ta'ala came, and if that demanded dropping it, they dropped it in one moment. That didn't become a barrier in fulfilling the commands of Allah Ta'ala. <coughs> so this zuhud is what is this being taught in these various ayat of the Qur'an Sharif. And in many ahadith, Rasulullah is teaching us the same zuhud. In one hadith it is mentioned, Nabi Wasallam said, Kun fi dunya ka'annaka gharib abiru sabil. Live in this world like as if you're a stranger. A stranger just passes by, he doesn't... He doesn't start becoming too engrossed and engaged in the place. He's a stranger, he's passing, he's a musafir. He does what he needs to. In fact, one step higher, our Abiru Sabil, somebody on the road, you're not even stationed. One musafir is somebody staying ten days in one place maybe. The other musafir is on the road. He even is less interested in what's around him. That lesson is being given to us. Abiru Sabil, you're traveling, you're just a traveler in dunya. Kun fi dunya ka anna ka gharib. This is now being repeated every morning. Ibn Umar used to remind himself. I'm just a traveler in dunya. A person who's a traveler in dunya, then now he's looking forward to his destination. Now this is that zuhud. That the person is disinclined. He will use the dunya, but he's disinclined from it. His focus is Akhirat. His focus is Jannat. That is where my de- destination is. That's my abode. Now the person who has that focus of Jannat, he will do those things that will take him closer to Jannat. Because that's where he wants to get to. He doesn't want to miss that. He doesn't want to get somewhere else. So now that his focus is Jannat, he's going to stay away from everything that is going to become a barrier, become an obstacle. And he's going to do that which will take him to Jannat. So now such a person, mashallah, it will become very easy for him to fulfill his amal. It's Fajr time, he's ready. He's more than eager and yearning to get to the masjid. It is Zohar, Asar, Maghrib, Isha. There's no such thing as that he is now feeling that, okay, leave it out now, tomorrow. Or Salah without Jamaat will carry on now. Those amal will become part of his system because he wants to get to his destination safely. They're going to get detoured somewhere else. So to the extent that this consciousness will remain, to that extent, this will become the condition of a person.
will get disinclined from dunya and move towards akhirat. Ibrahim bin Adam, rahmatullahi very great personality. His earlier life, he was a king, king of Balkh, but his earlier life was one of heedlessness. He was very much engrossed in dunya and in the things of dunya and neglecting akhirat, neglecting the remembrance of Allah Ta'ala. But sometimes there are certain things that attract some opportunities. Sometimes a person had done some good, that good opens a doorway for him sometime much later. That good sometimes is forgotten. He crossed his, didn't even cross his mind. When that opportunity came, he latched onto it. Very much later, that good will open out. The lengthy hadith which we have discussed perhaps on some other occasion, that three people who got locked up into that cave, they were traveling and that boulder fell in. That opened out that cave eventually, what? Some amal that they did long ago, they forgot about it that time too. Then now it remembered, after they thought, each one now presented some amal. Somebody in the khidmat of his parents, in a very extraordinary manner. Somebody in the way in which he treated somebody who worked for him. How he went out of his way to take care of the person who worked for him. Invested that person's whatever he left behind and went away. So now he took extra care of that employee. Somebody, how he crushed the haram desire. That that haram desire was now taking him on the verge of committing the haram. And at that time he crushed that haram desire. Now that time came and went. That moment came and went. Long ago. But now when the barrier came, when the obstacle came, this opened it out. So many a times, there is an opportunity to do some good. It might be in the dead of night sometimes, it might be in the light of day. It might be something small, something big. Whatever opportunity is there, sometimes that opportunity is actually behind it and inside it is a hidden treasure which will open out the doors of tawfiq. So when it opens out, a person doesn't even remember where it came from. So likewise this person, mashallah, was the king of Balkh. Allah knows best there might have been some really remarkable thing he might have done somewhere. So one day, he is in his palace and he is hearing some sounds on the top of the roof somewhere. So he goes to investigate what's going on here. He asks his guard or somebody to investigate. You see there is a person on the roof. person on the roof of the palace. What is he doing there? They brought him. What are you up to? How you got here and what are you doing? But he was somebody, Allah knows best, somebody sent from the unseen. So he says, no, no, I have come to look for my camel. I lost my camel. So I am looking for my camel. Is something wrong with you? Where you, you lost your camel, you might have lost it wherever, out on the road somewhere. How can you ever imagine finding your camel here on the roof of the palace? So when he said this, in other words, to try and say that you are such a foolish fellow, what a kind of fool are you? You're looking for your camel on the roof of the palace. So this person replied, if I can't find my camel on the roof of the palace, you can't find Allah Ta'ala inside this palace also. In other words, the palace was nothing. It was in this life of heedlessness. In this life where you have attached your heart to all the things of dunya in such a way that you have forgotten Allah Ta'ala. 
You have attached your heart in such a way that you've forgotten Akhirat. How are you going to find Allah? That struck him like a bolt of lightning. And as soon as this person made the statement, something came over him, and the next day he just packed up everything, and he left everything behind, and went out away, went away to the jungles, and dedicated his life towards the worship of Allah Ta'ala. This is not for everybody to now emulate this way of going about things, but the lesson in this was, that as long as a person's heart is attached to dunya, when his heart is filled with that dunya, then to find the love of Allah Ta'ala would be very difficult. Because he didn't leave any space there. As one little couplet goes at, بَرْ رَحَا ہے دِل میں حُبِّ جَاہُ مَال کب سماوے گا اس میں حُبِّ ذُلْ جَلَال That this heart you constantly filling it with the love of جَاہ وَمَال This ego and this material things of the dunya, you are constantly filling the heart with this love. So this ja and mal, this has now consumed the whole heart up. So Rabbi Zul Jalal, his muhabbat when is going to come? And where is going to come? There's no space left in the heart. And without this muhabbat, without this love of Allah Ta'ala, everything will be a burden. Even if he does something correctly too, it will often be a burden. Be done just to now get done with it. So the ingredient that needs to be brought into the heart is the love of Allah Ta'ala. And in order to bring this love of Allah Ta'ala, is this zuhud is required. Among other things, the zuhud is required. Now what is this zuhud, this abstinence? What is required? The first level is this zuhud from haram. Zuhud from haram, abstinence from haram, that is obvious. That goes without saying. There is no question about that this kind of zuhud is what level it is. It's totally first that a person abstains from haram. That abstention from haram outwardly sometimes it might seem that a person this abstention from haram, he's losing out. <coughs> Nobody's losing out anything. These are all the tests that come. The temptations. Allah Ta'ala has created insan with these desires. And these desires are necessary for him to be able to live his life. They are necessary. He has a desire to eat, desire of drink, because he has to survive. If he didn't have this, he'll carry on lying down and feel no pain, hunger, no thirst, and that will become his death. So he has the desire to eat, to drink, he has the desire of protecting himself. That's a kind of desire, it's a feeling. So he takes all the measures to protect himself and likewise his things. And similarly, the person, it's due to the same situation Allah has created him, so a person gets married, so life carries on, this dunya continues till, the way, till when Allah wants it to continue. If these things were not natural in human beings, neither a person will eat or drink or get married, why must he take all these responsibilities on his head? Allah created this in him. But at the same time, this is where the test comes. That there are certain limits within this has to be confined. Now he's got the desire to eat, but now he's eating anything. 
There's no consideration, is it halal, is it haram, what is it? Whereas that one morsel of haram, even if it happened to go into the stomach accidentally, the person didn't realize it was haram. It's like poison the person ate accidentally. That accidental eating doesn't mean that the poison won't have its effect. Poison is poison. How often there's a, some tragedy, somebody drank up some poisonous substance by mistake, they thought it was something else, they, it was somebody filled something into a bottle and somebody thought it was water, it was paraffin or whatever it was. How often there are some disasters like this. It was a mistake, but the effect of it happened. So likewise, that morsel of haram, that will have its effect. What is its effect? Nabi Islam says, that, أَيُّمَا لَحْمٍ نَبَتَ مِنْ سُحْتٍ فَالنَّارُ أَوْلَابِهِ That that flesh which is nourished by haram, the fire of Jahannam is more worthy to take that. Now the fire of Jahannam is an akhirat, but anything that is going to lead to Jahannam, the effects start off in dunya already. So now the person has connected himself to the fire of Jahannam. So already the restlessness starts in dunya. Despite whatever it might be, whatever the person might have, but that turmoil already starts in dunya. So that drinking, eating, that desire is not being curbed, is not being maintained within those limits. The person is just living his life anyhow. There's no consideration what is halal, what is haram, which relationships are permissible, which are not. As a result, this whole life becomes like the life that an animal leads, which Allah Ta'ala mentions in the Quran Sharif, inhum illa kal an'am balhum adal. Living like animals rather worse than animals. Animals also know their function. They know their limits. But this insan, when he goes beyond the limits, he doesn't know any limit. Animals also have some limits. So the first is the zuhud from haram. There is no question about this level of zuhud. It has to be adopted. Then is the zuhud from things that are doubtful. So sometimes some things, there is a very strong doubt in it. The strong doubt, then it will be necessary to restrain from that and abstain from it. If there is just some small level of doubt in it, it will still be preferable. Still be preferable that a person now be completely clear. Non Hadith Sharif, Nabi Islam says, Al halalu bayyinun, wal haramu bayyinun. Halal, this is very, very clear, clear cut. There is no ambiguity in the halal. What is, various things are very clear cut. Water, what is halal, obviously. Now, anybody ever had a doubt in his heart or mind about water being halal? Now he's looking at the bottle of water, is there any halal stamp on it? Water is water. And there are certain things which are clear-cut haram. There is no question about it. Totally clear-cut haram. He doesn't have to be asked, told about it. He doesn't have to ask anybody about it. All the things Allah has made haram in the Quran Sharif, etc. And there are certain things which are in between. That there is some kind of confusion about it. There is some doubt about it. It's not clear, it's not absolutely clear, where does it fall? Is it fine or is it not fine? 
So that simple rule, when in doubt, leave it out. When in doubt, leave it out. If it's not something doubtful, it can't be something necessary to have done in any case. And generally, 99.99% of the time, these things which are in the middle, they are not necessary for anything. person doesn't have to have it, or doesn't have to be indulging in it. It's not necessary for anything. So when, when in doubt... He's not going to be asked on the day of Qiyamah, but why you didn't find out and do it? That he won't be asked. No, you should have found out to make sure that you did this also. He did doubt, he left it out. No, sorry. So this is also something very important, especially somebody who wants to now move forward and get closer to Allah Ta'ala, then something that is doubtful, then he will obviously, something that will now lead him to something further, he rather be on the safe side of things. And then, there is that zuhud from futile things. Zuhud from futile things, abstinence from futile things. Again, this doesn't require elaboration. How many things, futile things, have crept into our lives in such a way that that has become such an indispensable part of the life that a person just can't do without it and is affecting so much in life but that too he can't see beyond that how often people get so caught up on their phones but at the end of the day some total of it even if one is a person is doing something haram that's out of the question because he's not doing something haram but after those hours and hours that he spent on that phone if he puts it aside and you ask the question he asks himself the question what did I benefit? How many lines can I write it in? Write down the benefits of all this time I spent. What I gained out of it? How many lines can I write about it? Sometimes I can't write, write one line also. <coughs> that all that news he read, what he benefited out of it? Can't write one line about it. And all the other things, futile. But that futile is not just futile. Because this futile kept in so, ha- so deeply... So now the person doesn't have time for his tilawat. Quran Sharif, how much you read? Nothing. How much tasbihat you made? Nothing. Okay, how much time you gave your family? I didn't give them time also. Even while eating, I was busy with the phone. While everything. The children also, like one child, sent a message to the father that I got 20 rand today, how many minutes can you give me? Make an appointment. Probably the father was some person who now, you know, charged for an appointment. The child said, I got 20 rand. How many minutes you can give me today? Because no, there's no time for anybody. There's no time for the one's own children, for one's family. Nobody. So where is it all gone? It went into something which was essentially futile, but its effects are extremely harmful and damaging, damaging a person's deen. So now that futile is no more futile. It's gone beyond that. Now that futile has become very harmful. And then one thing leads to another. Before a person knows it, Allah forbid where he's gone. So this zuhud, this is extremely important from futile things. Because these things lead to many, many problems, many difficulties. And what is going to create this zuhud in a person? So like other things, there is an effort required for this too. To read about the lives of the zahideen. Those who truly abstain from dunya. 
to ponder about the perishable nature of this dunya. What kind of situation is in dunya? How often a person is here and gone? So many incidents we have every day. Somebody is going to a wedding, it turned out to be a funeral. Allah Ta'ala, fill everybody's cover with noor, make everyone's makhirat. But these are lessons, ibrat for us. A person got so many plans, he starts off in the morning, he's got so many things and so many appointments and so many things that he has now worked out what he's going to do and where he's going to go and what deals he's going to do and so many other things he has planned out. But while he is busy writing out or marking up all those plans, in that interim, his kafan is already being unfolded somewhere. They don't know who they are unfolding it for. That trough on which he, his ghusal be given is already being cleansed and washed. They don't know for who, but it's for him. That cover is already being dug somewhere. He is busy walking and planning, tomorrow I will do this. But before tomorrow, he's going to be under the ground. How often this happens? But now this is insan, unfortunately. We hear about it. We see it happening. But we don't take a lesson about it. And the lesson is to start bringing our lives onto that pattern. That the moment comes when we have to suddenly go. Allah Ta'ala take us with iman and with afiyat. And in a way that Allah Ta'ala is pleased with us at that time. But we have to bring our lives on that pattern that the time comes for us to go, we are ready to go. The time comes for us to go, then we got no regrets about how we lived our life in dunya. Why? Because we made sincere toba. Mistakes, insan is insan. We have made mistakes. But if we have made sincere toba, sincere toba erases the past. But now we need to move forward. We need to move forward in a way that we please Allah wa ta'ala we earn His Rahmat and blessings and our life in dunya becomes precious, becomes worthwhile. We earn the akhirat in the short time that we have in this dunya. So now especially these times of the year when this ghaflat, this heedlessness comes to a peak, this is an extremely important time to become even more conscious. Because shaitan and nafs, they also come to a peak, drive a person into everything now. Everything now beckoning, everybody is now having a great time, so-called great time. Everybody is having fun. So now I too must have fun, I too must enjoy my life. I can't become too pious. Allah forbid, what are we saying? Sometimes people make this kind of statement, mustn't become too pious. So they say, mustn't become too pious. What does, if we uh, dissect that, what are we saying? No, you mustn't become a very close friend of Allah Ta'ala. Mustn't become too pious, mustn't become a very good Muslim. That's what it is. Because a very pious person is a very good Muslim. See, now you must be like a half Muslim. Mustn't become too pious. It means you must be 50% somewhere in deen, 50% somewhere else. Do other things too. Is there something like not becoming too pious? Everyone wants to become close to Allah Ta'ala. Everyone wants to become the beloved of Allah Ta'ala. So now, we say, no, don't become too pious. So what are we saying? Now these are statements which are whispered by shaitan. And we get washed away into it. And now to make excuses for our nafs. It's only excuses 
for our nafs, so that this becomes like a license to do some wrong. Now we need something to appease ourselves. See, now that is now, too pious is getting over too much. So now that becomes like a license now to do something which is against deen. So there's no such thing as don't become too pious. Piety, that's part of requirement. Ya ayyuhal ladheena amanu attaqullah. The whole Quran Sharif is filled with it. Hundreds of times. Oh, you believe ittaqullah, become pious. Now we try to appease ourselves, saying, don't become too pious. But we've never ever said about, don't have too good food. Just eat the basics now, what are you worried about? Don't have a too good house. You can afford it, but have just the basic. On shelter too will do. Don't have to have a too good car also. Anything will do. And too good clothes also not required. And a too good phone also not necessary. And all the things of dunya, too good is not required. Don't have to try and become too wealthy also. That when it comes to that, nobody ever says, no, don't overdo it there. Just now work 8 to 5 only and then make sure nothing happens thereafter. Then shut off everything, shut the mind off also from it and don't worry about it. Don't try to now increase this and increase that. Just keep it there. No, when it comes to dunya, there's no limit. Then everything must constantly be updated and upgraded. And there's no end to it. That upgrading and updating just doesn't finish off. Every year something is still good as new, but it must get updated. must get upgraded. But our deen, our salah, our ta'aluk with Allah ta'ala, updating and upgrading this all the time, how necessary that is. But when it comes to that, you say, no, don't become too pious. Now, this is all from the whispers of shaitan. Yes, we have to try to become too pious. We can't even claim any level of piety. Not even one iota of it. But we have to try to become too pious. And when we will try for that, inshallah, we'll get somewhere. We might not, get, might not even reach the roof, but we have to aim for the sky. So that, yes, we will acknowledge our weaknesses, that this is my weakness, I probably am missing out this sometimes. Obviously the faraiz, wajibad, sunnat and we can't miss. That's not something we can compromise on. Haram, we can't indulge in it. Out of the question. And you make a mistake and fall into it, we have to make sincere tawbah, come back. But okay, apart from that sometimes, we're not managing to do much more, or certain things on a... Uh, optional level, we're not really getting it done. Some things are on a high taqwa level, we're not managing to keep up to that standard. We are falling short of that little bit. But we are within the fatwa level. inshallah. That too will say, okay, but we will acknowledge my weakness. We won't say, no, don't become too pious. Say, no, my weakness. This is where I am, my weakness. I am not able to still reach up to that standard. Make dua, inshallah. I'll also get there someday. That is the attitude of a mu'min. This is my weakness. Inshallah, I also want to get there someday. But the other way around, where we become an impediment to ourselves also and to others. We hold ourselves back, that's one thing. But then to give ourselves company, we hold others back also. You know, you become an extremist now. To the extent that then we want the person to indulge in the haram as well. And if he doesn't indulge in the haram, then you see you become an extremist now, you're breaking family ties. Now who's doing the wrong? 
And who becomes the person that is being accused of breaking the ties? So this is how shaitan tries to keep us back from deen and make us a means of keeping others away from deen also. So all this comes back to that same basic aspect that to the extent that this heart is filled with the muhabbat of Allah Ta'ala, this heart is cleansed out of the muhabbat of dunya, to that extent a person will move ahead towards those things that take him to Jannah. will stay far away from those things that will become a barrier from reaching Jannah. Give us a tawfiq that especially in this time and in all times we become even more conscious of Allah. We take the precautions that are necessary to stay far away from those things that will take us away from deen, take us away from the closeness of Allah. And we make an effort on our iman and the iman of others as well. We try to protect ourselves from falling into those things that will take us closer to Jahannam. We make an effort on our families and everybody else as well. Allah Tabarak wa Ta'ala give us the tawfiq. Wa akhiru da'wana alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin.